Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Thank you so much for being here. I have to say my favorite part about doing the podcast is being able to connect with so many awesome leaders from around the world and bring them to you to share their wisdom and their inspiration. And if you want to keep the conversation going, head on over to Amberly Lago Motivation on Instagram and you can comment on the post or shoot me a DM or see some of the behind the scenes. But today's guest is all the way from Australia. She is a clinical forensic psychologist and she is Dr. Tess Crawley. She has had several psychologist roles, including working in the prison system. And she's also the director of Dr. Tess Crawley and Associates, as well as the director of Rural Psychology Tasmania and the Hobart Perinatal Psychology. Yeah, y'all, she is super smart. But besides being super smart, she's a busy working mom who offers support for other psychologists as they embark upon leadership roles. And she also offers a range of mentoring programs for mental health professionals who really want to enhance their leadership confidence. So I'm really excited that she's here with us today to share her wisdom and her wit, because I could talk to her all day. So welcome to the show, Dr. Tess Crawley. So happy I'm finally talking to you. I know. I can't believe how long it's taken for us to pull this off. <laughs> well, we do live quite a ways away. I mean, a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. What time is it there for you? It's about 9.21 a.m. Oh, 9.21 a.m. Okay, so mm-hmm. that means it's 2.21 p.m. But yep. you're, yep, you're a yesterday. day ahead. I'm, I'm tomorrow. You're a yeah, day. I'm you're my future. tomorrow friend. I am. Yeah, you're my I'm your friend from friend. the future. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you should see the technology we have here. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you're teaching me. You're teaching me. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> All the things. Well, I would love to share with my audience everything that you're doing, who you are and who you serve, because, well, the first time I got to talk to you, we ended up talking for so long. We used up all the time that we had to actually record a podcast because I enjoyed talking to you every second and we lost track of time (laughs) to the coaches. You were the feel good doctor to all the professionals and coaches out there. You are a good person. (laughs) Oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much. I agree. I've been talking to my audience quite a bit about you and how excited I am for us to (laughs) finally record this podcast episode and more of them because I think that we each have so much to share with each other's audiences from across opposite sides of the world. So I'm a psychologist 
and I own a psychology practice and quite a large practice. But personally, my main focus, my work focus now, if you like, my day job is mentoring business owners and many of them mental health professionals in private practice. But my audience is increasingly made up of business owners in other fields like photographers and wellness coaches and so many different creative entrepreneurs as well as the traditional business people. Yeah, I guess my message really is about reducing the isolation for business owners, bringing business owners into a place where they feel that they're supported and that their journey is not, it's unique, of course, but it's not unique in that they're going through these things alone, that we all struggle with being a business owner. It's a tough journey, a tough gig, and you don't have to do it. And I think that a lot of times that it looks glamorized, especially with the way things are on social media now. And it also can sometimes look very easy when you see people, especially nowadays. What I see a lot of is like on Instagram where there are coaches out there, life coaches or health coaches that are like, do you want to make six figures? Well, I did last month. And they're going on about the money and kind of luring you Mm. in to, and they're all having fun and taking, and I'm like, that is not exactly how it is. I mean, (laughs) not that you can't make that kind of money, but it's certainly not so glamorized. There's a lot of, when you speak of isolation, for me, there's days where if I have a lot of clients in one day, or if I'm doing a webinar, or if I have a lot of recordings, I just showed you before we started recording this, I spent hours in this tiny closet of mine because the sound is better in this tiny closet. And I literally will tell my husband, hey, honey, I'm going into the closet. That's just normal for him to hear that now, but it sounds better audio wise, but it can be very isolating. Absolutely. And it's so important to have people like yourself help with that. And also I find the thing that helps me is really a community. And I know that I've seen and a lot, I love looking at your Facebook posts and your Instagram posts and how you talk about how important it is to surround yourself with the community that you surround yourself and set yourself up with makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I've seen so much change, even just in the last couple of years, when my business journey I've had some very exciting times in my business ownership journey. I've also had some really intensely stressful and difficult times. And I think most business owners hang around long enough, you're all, we all experience that variability. And I came from an experience of feeling very, very isolated, that there was nobody I could talk to about this stuff, that nobody else around me got it, like what are the stresses of a business owner. It's almost like I was saying to someone yesterday, it's like, Celebrities feel they're not allowed to complain about media attention because we live this charmed life and we ask for this, so we're not allowed to complain about the difficult side. Mm -hmm. And I think business owners are the same. We're the one in the ownership role. People assume there's all this profit going on, therefore we're not allowed to complain about it being difficult. I found a tribe and so that emboldened me to be more outspoken on social media, which came with its own challenges. And I've noticed over the last two years in particular that there's a growing number of people who are pushing themselves outside their comfort zone to get their message out there, to connect with the broader community, to feel united, I guess, in Mm -hmm. some of the difficulties that we face. Yeah, and and I think that that is 
with social media, that has been a huge way for people to connect. For me, I know that it was just a couple of days ago, National CRPS Awareness Day, which that's the nerve disease I was diagnosed with. And I can see the difference. I was looking back through, you know, Facebook and Instagram, my posts, and the number of people that used to speak about because pain has a way of making you feel very isolated too. And I know for a long time, I felt like I'm the only one that understands this pain that gets this pain. Well, not only that, I didn't want people to see me in pain and know that I was in pain. It made me feel like less than, or I wasn't going to be capable of doing things. And so the gift of social media, and there's definitely been some times that didn't feel like a gift at all. Yeah. Because you're always going to have some haters out there, but it has enabled me to connect with people that I maybe wouldn't have necessarily connected with. And we get each other and we understand each other and we can support one another. And so that is the blessing with having social media, being able to do that. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like being able to connect with my tomorrow friend like you yeah. <laughs> a different day. <laughs> I don't know if I should be calling you my yesterday friend though. That kind of sounds like it's over. <laughs> I know, no, no. We are just going to keep these conversations coming keep along. Keep going. Keep going. I think, you know, for my audience, you know, to introduce your backstory, you know, when you were younger, you had such a, a horrific accident and, you know, went through an incredible amount of recovery, to put it mildly. I think that's like a tidy word to use for what you experienced. And you've now come through and still going through, I guess, because, you know, as you know, chronic pain is not one of those things that's one and done. It's something that you learn to live with. But using that message of hope, and I love, I so love the title of your book and your podcast, you know, True Grit and Grace. I just think that is such a powerful, powerful message. Thank you. I just got a message yesterday from somebody. They sent me Tim McGraw's book. He has a book called Mm -hmm. Grit and Grace. And I was like, woohoo, Tim McGraw. I love Tim McGraw. (laughs) His is about his journey and it's about fitness and health and that sort of a thing. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey and I never, ever would have imagined, you know, it was nine years ago that my life was completely turned upside down and I never would have imagined that it would have led me down the path that I'm on today. And it's definitely taken me a long time to get here. When I think about it, it's been nine years. It's taken nine years to really sharpen the tools in my tool shed and be able to use these tools to really tap into those, tap into the resilience and move ahead because I'll just share a little bit about what happened. You know, I've been in the health and wellness industry for years. I was a professional dancer and my whole life has been about fitness. And when I was hit by an SUV while riding my motorcycle home from work, even when I was lying in the street, one of the first thoughts I had was, oh man, this kind of sucks. I'm going to have to train clients on crutches for a while. I had no idea that I was dying. My femoral artery was severed. My leg was completely crushed. I was so career-driven and work and passionate about what I did that that was seriously one of the first thoughts. And then, you know, fast forward to, you know, being put in induced coma and waking up from a coma and they tell me now they're going to amputate my leg. I thought, wow, that can't be. This can't be real. 
And when they told me I had a 1% chance of saving it is when I thought, okay, there's still a chance. And, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy, especially a lot of doctors, but we found one doctor that was willing to try to save it. And it took 34 surgeries and it was surgery after surgery, months in the hospital. And I really thought that the worst was over. And when I really, my truly, my healing journey began is when I was diagnosed with this nerve disease because, you know, right before we started this recording, I was downstairs and I told my husband, I said, I think I need to cancel this trip to Utah. I said, I, I, I have not wanted to admit it, but I think this is spreading because I've been feeling pain in my arm. I had broken my arm and doctors were amazed that it's a disease of your sympathetic nervous system, but it didn't spread. And I'm like, it's not going to spread. I got this. And what it has taught me is I said, you know, I think I need to cancel my next trip. I really need to take better care of myself and listen to my body a little more. And, you know, I want to go full speed ahead all the time. I want to go and say yes to every opportunity. And one of the hardest things for me to learn is to, that resting doesn't mean quitting, that it means that I'm recovering and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to recharge and refuel and reboot ourselves, and that everything happens in exactly the right timing and everything that we're going through. It's like, I feel like for me, you know, you might say higher power. I say God, I feel like God has like, when you get one of those big boxes of 5,000 puzzle pieces and here's the picture on the cover, I feel like God has that picture of what it's supposed to look like. And we just have all these little pieces. And sometimes we can't see how everything is coming together, but everything is coming together exactly how it's supposed to be. And this whole experience has really strengthened my faith and just knowing that everything works out exactly how it's supposed to be. But I needed some tools to get through that. And so it's really taught me some tools. And that's what I'm really passionate about sharing with others is that, you know, I didn't really have any before. All I did was run and literally ran from my problems, like physically would just go for a run. And then when I was stuck in a hospital bed, I couldn't do that anymore. And so it's taken a lot, but I've really wanted to develop these tools to share with others in hopes that it will empower them to thrive and not just survive. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And again, sort of pulling in that what you're saying before about social media too. You know, people see you or me or whoever speaking publicly about things and we're talking about difficulties that we've faced and here we are, you know, thriving in our own way. And I think it's really, really important that we remind people that we had to develop tools to get And it takes a long time. And it takes time. It takes a long time. time and a lot of experience and a lot of trial and error and a lot of fails. For me, it took a lot of fails. Yeah, I mean, I'm imagining that there was, you know, the physiotherapy around walking and all of that stuff took a long time. It wasn't just, you know, zip you up in surgery and away you went. You know, there's a long process involved in dealing with pain and pain management. I think that a lot of people underestimate how much work goes into recovery from any difficulty in life, whether it's a business stressor or it's a financial crisis or a relationship issue underestimating that it takes work and so then they judge themselves harshly 
mm-hmm. for not progressing fast enough. And, and I always ask, who's measuring how far? Who's got that measuring stick? Who's, who's got the measuring that ruler? Stick? Yeah, 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 yeah. In in fact, that makes me think about I sent out a newsletter, and on the header of the newsletter, there's a picture of me jumping up in the air, and I have a client that I trained her daughter tried to commit suicide and she's had brain surgery as a result of it and she's come a long way and I love her dearly and she got my newsletter and thank goodness she had enough courage to reach out to me she feels close enough that she could reach out she said you know I saw your email and I really got depressed and I said it's supposed to inspire you not depress you and she said I can't jump like that and I said well, you will. I said, your accident was a year ago. I said, it took me years to be able to jump like that. I said, yeah, yeah, it might look like, oh, she got hit by an SUV and now she's jumping in the air. No, I said, it took me two years to be able to walk and run without crutches all the time. I said, and I still don't go around jumping all the time. And so I put things in perspective for her, like everybody heals differently, everybody recovers differently. And I wish that we could all be a little kinder to ourselves because man, comparison is the thief of joy. Whether you're comparing yourself to your old self or you're comparing yourself to somebody else out there, a lot of times all we need to do is just really compare ourselves to, you know, what we were yesterday. Are we doing better? Are we making more of an impact? Are we being, you know, trying to improve and be the best version of ourselves? But other than that, it can lead me down a road of despair comparison, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because there's always yeah, going to be somebody better. So of course. You know, I mean, even the simple things, like I was saying to you before we started recording, that, you know, this is the one tidy corner of my house at the moment. I'm preparing to, for an interstate move. And I've got builders in my house today and everywhere is utter chaos. And for me to be able to concentrate talking to you, I needed a tidy little corner. And it would be easy for me to pretend that my whole house looks like this. Yeah. But it doesn't. It looks like chaos, complete and utter chaos. And there is now wood dust on everything as well because the builders are in the house adding to the chaos. And I think that is the downside of the social media element to what we do is that negative comparison. We see someone in this very tidy, organized looking space and we think, wow, why does my house not look like that? Why have I not got the gorgeous cushions and, you know, and all that sort of stuff? I'm even too embarrassed to turn the camera around. I could, but I won't. (laughs) Yeah, but I know what you mean. And that's why I turned my camera and showed you my tiny little closet that I, and then there's a certain sense of, oh, I have to be present on social media. I have to be in my stories. I have to be present. And the other day I almost recorded, well, here I go back into my little closet to record. And then I thought, oh no, people might think that's not very professional or that may look a certain way. And it's easy to get caught up in that. But I think that a lot, most of my audience they're there because they know I keep it real with them. You know, yeah. I don't complain about my pain from stuff all the time, but I keep it real and say, you know what, I'm doing my best and this and that, but there are, you know, some days where I can't walk very well, or there are some days where I'm sitting on the couch. Because we all have those days, you know, we all yeah, have those that's days. right. We all have those days. And I think that pressure that people feel, especially when they're embarking, on some social media work for their own business 
but the pressure that people feel to do all the things and to know all the platforms and to be present all the time and to have it all together and I'm with you if I don't feel it on a particular day if I'm just not feeling that I can be attentive to my audience and present something for them that's of value then I won't do it and that every now and then I'll have a day like that. I just don't feel that I can give good value, that I would just be on social media just for the sake of keeping my numbers going. Then that's not a valid reason for me to be putting my face into people's news feeds. I feel exactly the same. I'm right there with you. Unless I have something really important to say. And also, I've tried it to where I've tried that pressure of, I have to create content. I have to say something. I have to write something. And it's like, I don't know. And it's really difficult to write Mm -hmm. something. Whereas when I'm meant to say something, it just flows. I don't have to think about it. I just type fast and it's out there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that's another important message that, you know, when you're in that state of flow, we don't feel that all the time. You know, people will say to me, how do you always have something so interesting or whatever, whatever their version of interpretation of what I Because do. it is interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think it's interesting, but I also acknowledge that not everybody else does. And I think that's another thing. People worry about being judged on social media and I welcome the judgment because I feel that, you know, if people are judging what I'm doing, or they're, they're not my audience. They're sorting themselves out into uh-huh. being more interested in somebody else. And eventually they will find the thing that they're more interested in. And that's great. Nobody needs to try to appeal to everybody. But that sense of flow, that state of flow, it's not there all the time. And you do need to listen and you need to recognize when you're in that place and harness that when you can. But also you, there are tricks that you learn, like we were saying before about having tools. There are tools that you learn that can bring that on mm-hmm. some days more easily than others. But when I have a day where it's not coming, that's okay. I just let that be. What are some of the tools that you use to get you kind of in the flow or to get you inspired or motivated to producing content? Because I'm talking to people every day. I'm talking to either my business mentoring clients or I'm talking to other colleagues, or I'm talking to therapy clients sometimes, I've always got somebody else's challenges and difficulties or experiences that I share with them in a personal conversation with them every day. And that might trigger something. That might trigger an idea. Or I might notice a pattern. So, for example, recently I had a pattern of people talking about struggling with the notion of giving away content for free and sort of buying into the scarcity or fear-based idea that if I give stuff away for free, then nobody's going to want to pay to do the program that I'm putting together and things like that. So, you know, and I noticed a few people having conversations aligned with that particular kind of topic. So that inspired me then to talk about the value of providing content that is of value for free as opposed to, and that sits alongside another concept I talk about a lot, which is charging your work. So how do those two things go together? So I know I pay attention to the conversations I'm having and I pay attention to the themes that pop up. And then I do little tricks, simple little tricks. Like I have, you know, the little notes app on my phone and I'll jot something down. I've now started with my live streaming videos. I will now write text beforehand. I never used to do that. I would go live first and then think about what I was going to add into the text section of posts. So I now write the text first and that organizes my thinking a little bit more and gets me even more excited about this idea that I've had to talk about. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 
sometimes I'll write things down, a list of ideas. If they pop up late at night and it's too late for me to do anything live, then I'll jot them down. But, yeah, um, I know for me at night when I try to create at night, when I try to write. So whether I'm writing a newsletter or something out for a client or a caption for a post, guarantee I would well I would say 99.9% of the time I can write that and in the morning I wake up and go oh my goodness what did I jumble down because I am just not as sharp as night I know everybody has a different yeah. time of day where they feel most creative or most productive mm -hmm. and for me one of the things that I do is every morning I wake up and I have like this magic hour in the morning it's mine it's before my husband's awake it's before I wake up my youngest daughter for school it's before I take on any clients it's that time for me. And so I don't feel, and I don't let myself look on the phone. I don't let myself check social media. I have some quiet time. I do a little meditation. I read out of about two or three books, just short things that I read. I set my intention. I look at my calendar or sometimes right off the bat, I write first thing and I journal. I'm really big on journaling. And I think that helps me to be creative. Yep. And it also helps me mentally feel a little more grounded and it's yeah. really like it helps me through the day for instance the other day I woke up and I woke up late and I kind of stumbled into the bathroom to go to the bathroom and I was like oh man screw the morning routine there's no time for that right as I said that I tripped and literally fell almost off of the toilet <laughs> And I was like, okay, universe, okay, I will do the morning routine. I know this is a sign. I need to do the morning routine. And so, you know, for me, it just works out better if I have at least, because the rest of the day, we never know what the day is going to bring. But at least if I can wake up, I know that I have a little bit of control over my morning routine. I can set aside a little bit of time for myself to take care of myself and invest in my dreams for the future. Do you do a morning, any kind of a morning routine? I do. Like I was thinking when you were talking about your morning routine, one of the things that's been increasingly important over the years is having good mentorship. And I'm working with a new mentor at the moment and I meet with her every morning at six o'clock. I love that. I was going to ask you, I'm so glad again that you brought up mentor again, because I really, really believe that having a mentor is so important. And in fact, yeah. just today, I thought I need a mentor because I'm doing <laughs> some bigger things mm -hmm. and things I've never done before. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I need a mentor. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. How does someone mm -hmm. go about finding a mentor when you don't know? Yeah. Where to I think it does depend what we're talking about too, in terms of mentoring. I mean, you can have a peer mentor who's someone who you know who has done something similar to you and you're bouncing ideas off each other and supporting each other, you know, that kind of peer support level of mentoring. And then there are, you know, professional mentors and, you know, I have a clientele who I mentor and I've had mentors and I still have mentors and I pay them. So, you know, they, I pay them for their time. I'm enrolled in programs that they offer, that sort of thing. And it is about paying attention to what's going on around you in social media because that's where they live, it's often where they live. And 
talking to your colleagues who seem to be doing really well and finding out do they have a mentor, who are they talking to, getting a few different recommendations and not being afraid to test run. So Nicola, who I meet with every morning, she and I started out actually with this morning program. She runs this thing where we meet every morning with a little group of us and we meet every morning during the week at 6am. And it started off as a one-month program and we all enjoyed it so much, including Nicola. She decided to keep running it each month and we just keep signing up. I've now gotten so much value out of working with her that I'm now, I've now joined you know, her, her high-level mentoring program. So I started off with a little bite-sized piece of Nicola and after having worked with others in the past, but I knew that I needed someone with a different skill set. I was moving in a new direction and my own comfort zone was getting too comfortable. I needed someone new who was going to push me beyond that. And so those 6 a.m. mornings are about focusing. What have I achieved this week or what have I achieved you know, in the last 24 hours? What's my intention for today? So similar to what you do for yourself, mm-hmm. what's my intention for today? And calling bullshit on anything that I am making excuses for. That's huge. Because we all do that. We all do that. I want to know more about, you said that you have like downloadable, is it a course or what is it about how to call yourself and like really call yourself out on your own bullshit like can I say yeah. bullshit on the podcast okay you can say bullshit <laughs> I do in fact, how I just to, yeah how <laughs> to slay your yeah. own bullshit yes so I created in fact I was at a workshop with Nicola and the conversation that I was having with her around my core message and she just wrote two words up on the whiteboard bullshit slayer and I went oh that is actually what I do thank you so I then prepared like a little ebook I guess you would call it on how to slay your own bullshit. So it's about identifying some of the stories we tell ourselves about why we can't do the difficult thing or the uncomfortable thing or the challenging thing, like what stops us stuck in action. Yeah. And so this little ebook, you work through it, you identify some of those barriers, some of those stories that you're telling yourself, and then you work through the notion of building your own body of evidence of just how awesome you actually are. So thinking about things like, you know, how much time did you spend studying to do what you do now? Or how many years of experience have you had doing what you do now? How many clients have you helped doing what you do now? And so on and so on. You know, running so it really kind of is helps with your self-confidence, identifying really knowing your self-worth. Because I know, you know, for me, especially when I first started as a speaker and I was going to an event and sharing the stage with Mel Robbins and Jay Shetty and Lewis Howes and Brendan Burchard and all these big speakers and nobody really knew who I was. I mean, yeah, I had a little bit of a following, but not much. And I remember being scared to death. And I was doing push-ups backstage for anxiety. Like I was praying when that didn't really get my nerves down quite a bit. I was doing push-ups and I was trying to stay focused, but it was hard because, you know, they all had big media teams with them. They had like an entourage and then there was me and it was just me. And I remember I was sitting there in the green room we were all eating and I was sitting at the room with some really, you know, superstars, like really people that I really looked up Mm. to as far as all their accomplishments and what they did and what their message, what their messages are. And there was a guy sitting next to me and he looked at me and he goes, 
so who are you with? And I was like, oh, well, I'm with me. It's just me. And he was, oh. And I was like, hmm. I said, so who are you with? And he goes, oh, I'm with uh, this person, this person, and this person. And I sat there for a little bit and, you know, he wasn't very nice. And then (laughs) I said, well, what do you do? And he said, oh, I'm an agent. And I was like, oh, well, I need an agent. And he goes, no, I'm a boutique agent. And he turned and gave me the cold shoulder and I was crushed. I was crushed. And I literally felt felt like I had been kicked in the gut. I really did. I mean, it was enough for me. Like I showed up without my entourage, just me. And I went on stage and I was like feeling pretty good. And then he was there to say, oh, you're not good enough. Why are you sitting at our table? And I had to go outside and I had to literally use every tool in my toolbox to lift myself up off the pavement and keep going forward because it's really hard. You know, we've got enough. I think when I was young, I always thought I have a message. I want to, you know, I want to go out and I want to spread love and dance and be positive and spread happiness. And that is a little kid, you know, and I was a dancer Mm. and I was fearless and moved to California. And when I got here, I thought, oh, wow, I'm not that talented. (laughs) It was like, I might've been kind of talented for this small little town in Texas, but I really had my ass handed to me here. I was, and I learned (laughs) a lot. I learned a lot. And I think sometimes that's what happens as adults. You know, as kids, we have all this confidence And as we grow up, we have different people that may put labels on us or the own labels that we put on ourselves. And that can start to get really heavy. And it's up to us to really have those tools to kind of peel away those layers and really identify what our true self is and then go out and keep sharing that with the world fearlessly. Fearlessly. And the thing that you talked about there, you know, that that experience and then being able to go and access all the tools that you've built up. And of course, you know, as time has gone on, you will have learned there'll be more layers of what you've taken away from that experience. I was talking about this recently about you know, being grateful. We can't pick and choose what we want to be grateful for. You know, we need to show gratitude, not just for the good things. You know, we can't just be saying, oh, I'm grateful that I have a house or grateful that I, you know, live in Australia. I'm grateful that I, you know, have beautiful children clean air and blah 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 because it's the little stuff that we have to we've also i do too but in what you're saying it reminded me of this idea we also need to be grateful for the difficult things as much as it's hard at the time and and we all acknowledge that when you're going through a tough time no one really expects you to suck it up and be grateful for this experience while you're in it but i do think that there's a lot of room for being grateful for what you've learned from adversity you've got a very big version of that in your life but also that experience with that man at that event, you know, there's layers of learning from that experience that you carry forward. And that there's layers. And I feel like we, every day we're handed an opportunity um, of choice. We always have a choice. And I think, I really feel like once you realize that you have a choice, you take your power back. In that moment, I could have said, 
yeah, he's right. Who am I? Who am I to be here? Who am I to sit at this table with all these mega speakers that are getting paid all the big bucks? Who am I? I need to go with my tail tucked under and, you know, go back home and never try that again. Or I could take that opportunity and say, oh, really? You have underestimated me. I'm going to let this motivate me to get back on stage again and again and again. And you know, something interesting that happened after that, I met a lady. I'm sharing this because you just never know who you may bump into. And that's why I do my best to be kind to everybody I meet because you never know who somebody is. So I'm coming out of the bathroom at this same conference. And there's a lady and I bumped into her and I said, hi. And I was like, oh, geez, you smell so good. And I leaned into her. And I said, what are you wearing? Oh, it just must be my hair. I don't know. And I said, it smells really good. Well, we got to talking. She handed me a business card. She happened to be an agent, <laughs> a speaker's agent. Well, I reached out to her. I mailed her a book talked to her again. And later she said, I have to be completely transparent. I didn't get a chance to read your book. This guy so-and-so wanted to read it. It was that agent who wasn't nice to me at the table. He wanted to read my book. And I was like, well, really? He wanted to read my book. So I thought you never know. And, you know, just keep doing your best. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. Keep sharing your message and don't let anybody dim your light because it's easy to get, you know, to let things knock you down. And it's just for me, I always had to remember why. What is my why? Who am I speaking to? You know, I always think I'm speaking to the people who so badly are just ready to throw in the towel and give up because I was right there and I almost gave up. And for me, it's to those people who they think, you know, it's hard because it is hard. It is hard. I'm not sitting here saying it's easy. It is hard, but it's possible. And that's what I'm here to share that it's possible. Great so much. I think for me and something I will always tell my mentoring clients too, it's not only the people who engage with you on social media, the people who do the likes and the shares and the comments, it's the people you never hear from. The people whose name never appears on anything, but they might be just that one person who they might have just stumbled across something you've done today, or they might have been following you forever. You never know, but it just might be that one person who you've been able to connect with and help them feel no longer alone in their journey. That might be that that they recognize. That was the whole reason for my book. Yeah. Mm. That was the whole entire reason for my book. And I thought, I said, if I can just reach one person and make a difference and have them not give up and so they know they're not alone and they know that they'll heal and they know that there's hope, then that is worth all the hours and hours and hours that it took to write that book. (laughs) (laughs) Not an easy job. It's not. It was hard. It was hard. Yeah. It's definitely a labor of love. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to check out your how to slay your own bullshit because I, thankfully, I have kind of my own little program here at the house. It's called my husband. 
and he likes to call me on my BS quite often. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those too, actually. I think your husband and mine might have something in common. <laughs> so, you know, hmm. and that's it. We've all got those people in, in, in our lives, I think, who do like to say what they think. And for a lot of people, you know, bearing your soul on social media or sharing your journey on social media is so fearful of the criticism that might be forthcoming, especially from well-meaning friends and family. I think that's probably another strategy that I use to make sure that I'm bold in my message. I actually, you know, I make sure that the people who matter are the only people that I listen to. And the number one person who matters is my opinion. So I think about, you know, you're calling me your tomorrow friend. I think about my tomorrow test. I think about in the future, am I going to be proud of my efforts to unite people and connect people so they no longer feel isolated? Or am I going to be disappointed that I let the opinions of others keep me quiet, keep me small? Yeah, because I think there are levels to that too. There are levels when you start to reach success, you're going to have friends that may not be as happy for you as you thought they would be. There's going to be family members that may not want you to speak out about certain things. Like I know for me, one of the hardest things to write about in my book, and one of the things I speak about is being sexually abused by my stepfather as a child. And it was hard. I made sure I let my mom read that in the manuscript before I, you know, sent it to the publisher. But that part of the book, I have had so many people. And to be honest with you, I even had my very own husband. When you get your book back from the publisher, you have, you know, it's a whole process of interior design and that back of the book. And my husband read the back of the book. And on the back of the book, it says, survive you know, sexual abuse, abuse, divorce, and this and that. He said, why would you write about sexual abuse on the back of your book? And I said, I think you better read the book. Well, (laughs) I'm so glad that I did write about it, even though I had so many people discouraging me to keep quiet. You don't want to talk about that. You know, in Texas, we have a saying, hide your crazy and be a lady. You better just sit pretty and not say anything. You better just, you know, don't ruffle any feathers. And right after I wrote that, and it takes a while for the whole publishing process, there have been more and more women standing up talking about this. And I've had so many people reach out to me that have said that happened to me as well. And I don't feel so alone. I don't feel like I have to carry this shame around with me. And that's why I wrote about it. That's powerful. That's really, really powerful. Well, it's, you know, shame is very heavy. And if we can talk about it with others and know that we're not alone in that and let it go and just keep moving forward. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. We have talked about so many things. I know. I know. And (laughs) so I have got the link that I will add to show notes for people so that they can download the how to slay your own BS. That's a mix between BS and bullshit. See, I have to pay a dollar to my daughter every time I say a word. So I'm like trying to kind of not say it, you know, I owe my daughter a lot of money. About $5. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't introduced my kids the idea of the swear jar yet but as soon as they discover such a thing exists they will make the most of it they will do well (laughs) 
I always enjoy talking to you. I feel like we could just oh, talk all day that. long. All day. I'm yeah. so excited to introduce my audience to you. And Thanks. I want them to go check you out on Facebook because you are so good about doing lives though. And I love watching your lives and oh, Instagram. And then thank tell you. us the best way to find you besides the link in the notes about so they can download the free. Yeah. Yes. So you've got the link for the ebook testcrawley.com.au I think just .com will also get you there but on Facebook and Instagram too and just if you look for Dr Tess Crawley you'll find me but I also want my audience to check you out so you amberlylargo.com now they can get a free downloadable gratitude journal is that right have I got that yeah, right yeah well yeah because we talked about the yeah. importance of a morning routine but also yeah. for me Gratitude has, you know, I've always been a grateful person, but when I really started a gratitude practice every day and I use it as a way to shift mm. my mindset when I'm feeling blue or less than or mm. sad, any way, if I can focus on gratitude, mm. it really turns my can'ts into cans. And so I created a free downloadable gratitude journal. If they go to my website at amberlylago.com, it's a good way to get in that practice of just yeah. writing a few things down that you're grateful for, you know, every day. And it's something I do every single day. And it's something that I do in the morning and something that I talk about at night when we go to bed, when I'm mm. talking to my daughter every night, we talk about. That's a beautiful practice. I love that idea talking to your daughter about it as well it's a really lovely yeah. thing yeah always say yeah. what's the best thing that happened to you and what is one thing that you're grateful for and I try to mm. go to bed with that kind of mindset focused on what instead of you know your mind going busy about oh I didn't get this done or I didn't do this focusing on what you do have and what you mm. did do and then waking mm. up and continuing yeah. with that yeah now you've got a very active Instagram presence. So I do encourage my people to follow you on Instagram as well. I love your Instagram page. You do oh, some amazing thank things. Thank you. That's Amberly Logo Motivation. And yeah, DM me because I answer every single one of my DMs. It may take me a little while, but I answer on myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're amazing. Connecting with people. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you, my lovely. We will be talking again soon. And thank you time. so much. I yes. love talking with you. Thank you it's so much, <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week on True Grit and Grace podcast. If you like it, please rate it or share it with your friends. That would help too. If you're not yet on the newsletter list, come over to AmberlyLago.com and jump on it. While you're there, you can grab a free downloadable gratitude journal and you might just want to check out my book or even check out my monthly motivational membership. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.